Once upon a time, in a land far away. I'm Katrina, and I'm Jeff, and welcome to the Fairy Tellers Podcast. Myth, legend, folklore, fable. We explore what they say about cultures then and now. Grab a hot cup of cocoa and a comfy seat while we retell you a thing. Welcome back to the Fairy Tellers Podcast. Today, we have another Fifth Friday Fable Fest. Yeah, yeah. We haven't done one of these, actually, in a while, because the last Fifth Friday was in October, and so we did Urban Legends, which was also really fun, and we will probably do that again. Yeah, we still had a bunch of listener-submitted Urban Legends that we didn't talk about, like a lot. Yeah, yeah. Not to mention the fact that, like, there are always a million more <laughs> urban legends to yeah. talk about. And that ended up being an interesting episode, too, just because we we mentioned so many other, like, other resources for people who really wanted to, like, have fun diving in to urban legends. Yeah. The theme for this Fifth Friday Fable Fest was actually inspired by one of our podcast listeners, one of my new birding friends, <laughs> Liz. I was so glad. So uh, Liz messaged through the Facebook Messenger app, which is like a good way to reach me. And she was like, hey, I actually just started listening to the podcast and I'm only on episode three of Aesop Fables. But I heard you say something and somebody's probably already told you this, but I wanted to reach out and mention in case you didn't know when you were retelling one of the Aesop fables, you guys were discussing it and you said there's no honor among thieves, but the saying is actually there is honor among thieves because thieves Mm. work within their own code of ethics. And so I, I didn't know that. And that's fascinating. Yeah. I love when sayings or colloquialisms like they get, change all twisted up yeah Yeah. where they go to they start meaning the opposite of what they were supposed to mean yeah like one of the ones that i've heard a lot recently is the uh pull yourself up by your bootstraps because people like now the way that they use it is like people need to just pull themselves up by their bootstraps and like get to work and get it sorted out and then everything will be fine but like that phrase it's it is uh against the laws of physics Yeah. To actually pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And so like what the phrase was supposed to mean was like, oh, all you have to do is this one simple thing that breaks all the laws of physics. That is literally (laughs) impossible. And then everything will be fine. So why don't you do that? So it's it was initially said it more like this, like kind of tongue in cheek, you know, sarcastic. I don't know what your problem is when it was like, yeah, the problem is like physics. But now the way that people use it is. As a like, yeah, all you have to do is this like simple thing. I don't understand. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Just work hard. Pull them up. (laughs) Yeah, work hard. That's like the answer to like the problem. So yeah, it is really interesting to me that I I thought there was no honor among thieves. But there is. Apparently. Or there should be. There should be honor among thieves. And then what was awesome was also Liz and I started talking about birding. (laughs) (laughs) And so she's obviously going to be my new best friend. Yeah, it must be good to connect with a fellow bird nerd. It absolutely is. Birding is incredible, Jeffrey. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, now we're going to derail and totally talk about birding because it's like, it's awesome. Um, So the phrase honor among thieves is actually the concept that And this is a quote from Wikipedia, if anyone wants to look. The concept that criminals do not compromise the criminal activities of other criminals. It also means that even corrupt or criminal individuals can follow some form of code of honor, moral justice, or ethics for the benefit of everyone involved or implicated. And I think that, like, psychologically, that's very fascinating. Because even though it's like criminals are usually people who are operating outside of the rules of what the established like society or culture is, criminals are operating on the outside of that. But it's so interesting to me that they still have to have a a code of ethics, 
because human beings are social animals. We do yeah. we do better when we are interacting and working together. So even though they're doing something criminal, they have to have some kind of understanding between each other that that they can have trust there. Yeah. <laughs> As they're doing something that's operating outside of the established culture's morals. Right. I think probably like one that comes to mind is like the whole like anti-snitching stance, you know, like there's this whole thing of like snitches get stitches. Like that's just not something you do. You don't rat out your fellow criminals. Like even if you hate them, even if whatever, it's like, you just don't do it. No. And it's interesting too, that even though like, like I'm saying, Oh, no honor among thieves, because that's how I had like heard it. But we have an equivalent honor among thieves saying that you and I both know stitches, snitches get stitches. And so it's like the phrase honor among thieves still does exist in our language, but it's right. just changed to snitches get stitches. <laughs> <laughs> and it's this like, yeah, exactly what you said, like this understanding that like, hey, if we're if we're going to be doing this criminal enterprise together, like we need to have some trust. Like we need to know that what happens here stays here, that like you're not going to like take information that would get us in trouble, that you're not going to compromise the our plans that like we have. <laughs> and even though people don't necessarily agree with that idea, we we understand that it exists. Yeah. Like, even though I am like, no, I I do think that snitching has helped in (laughs) different cases, bringing justice to situations. And so I, I, on this side, agree with the idea of snitches and think that they're important to society. (laughs) (laughs) I also know that there are consequences in the social group that they belong to. That what yeah. they're doing is dangerous to like what they're doing because of the rules of their cultural situation. Of yeah, like, it's really crazy how they're like at at odds with each other. Yeah. <laughs> that I Very can both so. that I can both be like, I from my cultural perspective appreciate snitches, <laughs> but I also duly understand that it endangers them inside of their social like construct. So who's going to be getting some stitches in these fables today? So in honor of this new tidbit of information, new to me, obviously not new to all of our listeners, (laughs) because they told me, um, we're going to be retelling tales from the Aesop's fables that feature thieves. But something that I am going to note is since these stories were being told against thieves and not by thieves, they aren't going to really prove the point that there is honor among thieves. To find tales of honor among thieves, you would need to gather folklore stories from thieves, <laughs> which that actually would be an interesting project. Looking at yeah. like cautionary tales that are being told by thieves of what happens when you break the code of thieving, which is fascinating to think about because there are cautionary tales and folklore that do exist, and even modern ones. For example, Snitches get stitches. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I want to hear some examples. That's great. Because it is like that, like folk culture exists throughout time, even right now. It's being created like even now. And so it is funny that it's like there are stories from thieves being like, okay, let me tell you a story of what happened to the last guy who... (laughs) Um, so I, I like a truly, I do think that that'd be a really interesting project to like gather up folk lore, folk tales, maybe ancient and modern being told by thieves to talk about, you know, their rules for their society. Cause all cultures do that. Yeah. But since we're reading Aesop's fables and he was on the other side of that, or these tales are told to, you know, to tell the opposite of that. That is what we're going to be looking at today because it's Fifth Friday Fable Fest. Boop, boop. So, yeah, no honor among these thieves, but the stories are going to be pretty funny, <laughs> as always. <laughs> 
So the first one that we're going to hear is The Thief and the Boy. And this one's going to be told by our friend Jeffrey. (laughs) All right. So one day there was a boy who was sitting next to a well and just crying, crying his little eyes out. And a thief happened to come along just at that same moment. And he's like, hey, man, why are you crying? And so the boy, through tears, shows the thief like a little bit of cord that he has. And he's like, I had a silver tankard on here, but it came off and now it fell down into the well. And so the thief immediately like pulls off all his clothes, throws him to the side and jumps down the well, meaning to get down there and take that, you know, silver tankard for himself. So the thief is in there. He's like reaching around, feeling around at the bottom of the well for quite some time. And he was not able to find this tankard. So he finally gives up and comes up out of the well and notices that not only has the boy gone, but also his clothes are gone. (laughs) (laughs) And the boy stole the thief's clothes and made off with them. And the moral is it takes a thief to catch a thief. (laughs) I'm like, that is some, like, middle school prank. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because, like, immediately in my mind, I'm just thinking about, like, kind of, like, that prank that is kind of like a trope in, like, 80s and 90s movies of, like, you're changing your clothes in gym class or showering off after gym class. And then when you get out, the, like, the mean kids, the bullies have, like, stolen yeah. your clothes. And, like, thrown them in the toilet or something. And then it's, like, the worst fear is, like, now you're naked at school. And it's, like, yeah. what do I do? So I just immediately thought of that with that. But uh-huh. <laughs> that story is so funny. I like how it subverts our expectations since it's called The Thief and the Boy. Yeah. But really inside of that story, the person who ends up thieving is the boy. The thief and the boy in the title are actually one and the same. <gasps> and the third, the second thief is just never, never mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I love that moral. It takes a thief to catch a thief. Except, yeah. except that no thief got caught. Yeah, he just got stolen from. Yeah. Where it's like, it, I guess it takes a thief to steal from a thief. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole point is like, the because the little boy was also a thief himself, he knew what he could do to be tempting to lure a thief in, you know, to like... Yeah. It's like, I'm going to do, like to con him, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to gonna like, do this to put myself in a position that someone would who would want to steal from me would come along and try. Yeah. He's like, Oh, all I have to do is make this person think that they're going to pull one over on me. Think there's something valuable in that. Well, like, Oh, there's a tankard full of silver down or that's made out of silver down there. And it's like, yeah, you're right. So he knew the only way to like trick a thief and steal from a thief is to be a smarter thief. Yeah. And subvert expectations by being a small, sad boy. But it is interesting to your point. It's like, he, it's not like he got, when you think of like catching a thief, you think of like, oh, getting them arrested and like taking them to jail. But I think this kind of would apply to the, you know, criminal society way of doing things. Like that would not be, I'm I'm really stretching here probably, but I'm going to say it anyways. It wouldn't be within the thieves code to like do something to get that thief caught for stealing as a thief. The only way that you can you know, in a morally correct way, get a thief as a thief is to steal from them in a way that's like, oh, yeah, well, I steal. They stole from me. Like in our little society, the way that we do things, that is okay. Whereas like getting them arrested or like snitching on them for stealing would not be. Yeah. And we see that come up, uh, come up a lot in like popular culture. I mean, there's a movie called To Catch a Thief, but there's also in lots of movies, this whole idea of people stealing from other thieves because they're not going to call the cops. Yeah. Like you can get away with it a lot easier if you're stealing from fellow criminals because the cops are not going to be on their side if they try to try to call them. Like there's (laughs) stories of like people who someone like broke in and stole their drugs or something or like didn't pay for drugs. I was actually thinking about going there like in that direction too of like, I think I've seen, you know, like in popular cultures, like movies and stuff where it's like somebody who has some kind of like drug enterprise 
another criminal like comes and steals their like stash or like what what their shipment whatever is like coming in the vehicle gets you know driven off in a different direction that has like all the cocaine in it or their house gets broken into and all their weed plants like get stolen and yeah they're in that bind of like well they can't call the police because since they're operating outside of like the like social norms they don't have any recourse through that system and so yeah. then their recourse is one that they have to employ through their own social system yeah it's interesting i think it's funny to keep referring to them as like social systems <laughs> yeah because it, it makes it sound like they're like <laughs> It's like it's legitimate. Yeah, but the, which it is like, well, because when I think about it, I'm like, well, because it's like currently people think a lot differently about like the growing, buying and selling of like weed. Yeah. Than they used to. And so it's like, even though our morals right now are saying like, oh, people really shouldn't be, you know, making meth. Those are that's just our feelings about it currently, like as a society and culture. And I don't know what will happen in the future. I personally don't think people will ever be like, ah, it's okay, because meth is <laughs> meth is is pretty bad. <laughs> so I've heard, <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> meth. It's a uh, one hell of a drug. And so yeah, like it, I, I like framing it as like social systems. Because it is like, oh, I don't want to pass judgment on, you know, how how their social system works. Fair. Yeah. So the next story I'm going to be telling is The Wolf and the Fox. And one thing that I do want to point out that's really interesting is, so in The Thief and the Boy, that was a fable that included human beings. Mm -hmm. And usually when I was looking through the fables, the fables that talked about like the idea of thievery or trickery. It was usually between the wolf and the fox <laughs> because it is like in the fables, like Fox in Europe. Once again, I want to point out in other episodes, we pointed this out as well, that in Europe, the way that they personify animals and the way that they see their characteristics is different from North America and South American cultures. And even like African and Asian cultures, they will see different characteristics in animals. They differ yeah. in different cultures. And we did a um, whole episode about wolves. Yeah. Um, the wolf and the fox. So the wolves and the foxes, once decided that they were going to select one of their number to be the ruler over them. Fox, the foxes and wolves and these are always trying to figure out maybe how to like work well together. <laughs> it's it, it. They, they try. So a wolf ended up being chosen as the most plausible uh, leader. Cause he was really smooth spoken, charismatic leader and so he went to address the assembly of his subjects. And he said, quote, one thing is of such vital importance and will tend so much to our general welfare that I cannot express it too strongly upon your attention. Nothing cherishes true brotherly feeling and promotes the general good so much as the suppression of all selfishness. Let each one of you then share with any hungry brother who may be near whatever in hunting may fall to your lot, which that that's a very kind and wonderful sentiment that he just shared. And so Fox hearing this cried out, hear, hear. And after that lovely speech, I'm sure you will be the first one to share that big fat sheep that you have stashed in your lair. <laughs> <laughs> So the moral of that was practice what you preach. A parent talks and does not teach until they practice what they preach. <laughs> That's uh, just a little phrase we used to throw back at our parents. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe don't teach your children that unless you want them to. <laughs> parents talk and do not teach until they practice what they preach. Um, so I love that. Just as. Because in these stories, 
Fox and Wolf are constantly like at odds trying to like outsmart the other one where they'll be like, oh, we should help each other out. And then really what ends up happening is they <laughs> are it's it's always like a false bargain to like a, a false camaraderie yeah. until they can at the next opportunity, like trick each other. So now we've talked about before how Fox is like one of my favorite characters in all of these fables, because it seems like the Fox is always the one that's outsmarting the wolf as far as I can remember. And I could totally be wrong, but the Fox is usually the one that's able to like through some sort of like mental trickery outplay whoever they're going up against. Whereas yeah. like the fox might be stronger and whatever, but the fox is always able to like twist someone's words or somehow trick someone into doing something or Yeah, that is usually what it is where it's like the wolf, he usually has the most brute strength and ruthlessness of of the animal characters. And Fox knows that he has to be sneakier because he doesn't have that brute strength, which yeah. is interesting to see played out because as, as human beings, we see that also played out in human nature where you do have people that know that their power doesn't necessarily lie in like their eloquent words or their brute strength or like whatever it is, money, power. They, that's not where they get their power. It's through being a little bit foxy, sneaky, like that they they have to just be a little bit smarter because they don't have the brute strength. And then another way that we see that out carried out in characters is if we say someone's a little bit weaselly. Mm. We're like, that guy's a weasel. Yeah. And like when you call somebody a weasel, what you're basically saying is like weasels, they are also like predators, but they have to be even more slippery, sneaky <laughs> in what they do. Cause they have even less brute strength than foxes. Yeah. I feel like Littlefinger in game of Thrones is like the personification of a fox or a weasel in there. Just like he has no power, but sneakiness and, trickery that's so interesting to me because the person who i was thinking of when i was talking about i was purely thinking about in zootopia <laughs> <laughs> you've got duke weaselton uh-huh. which is funny because he's voiced by the same person in frozen who is the duke of wesselton yeah and he yeah and in zootopia he's duke weaselton and he's a weasel and so it is funny because like we we still have some kind of under, general understanding of animals personified and yeah. who they are. Because even I was thinking about Peter Pettigrew from Harry Potter, who was a rat, who was actually a person. <laughs> but it's interesting that they <laughs> but that had person was eat. actually a rat in a metaphorical sense. Was, and yes, in the metaphorical <laughs> sense, also a rat. Or a weasel, like he's the kind of person that it is like he's a very like a weaselly person who he knew he did not have actual power. He wasn't charismatic. He didn't have the brute strength that he needed. And he also did not have the magical capabilities in the world of Harry Potter to have strength that way. But he was just really good at being a slimy weasel coward. <laughs> Can you say somebody's good at being a slimy weasel coward? <laughs> Yeah. I think you can, because he was able to kind of get away with a certain amount of stuff in his life because he was good at being a slimy weasel liar. Rat. <laughs> and that's another thing when people are like, he's being a rat, because yeah. rats are also predators, but they are even lower on the totem pole than weasels. It's interesting that we have so many... Um, this hierarchy of sneaky, slimy people that get more and more gross the further down that you go. <laughs> and we have less and less respect for them. Like, we like foxes. Once we get down to weasel territory, we stop liking them. And we really don't like rats. Yeah, that is true. Speaking of there being hierarchies, the next story that we have is the lion, the fox, and the wolf. Which this story is interesting because while you were talking about the fact that even today in our culture, we know 
what these animals represent. And we have certain characteristics that are personified and represented by certain animals. It, it happened in this story because it starts off talking about how the king of the forest was seriously ill. And I started reading the story and I knew that the king was the lion before it actually ever said that the king was the lion. It's not until like halfway through the story that it says explicitly that the king of the forest is the lion. So the king of the forest, the lion, was once very ill. And because he was sick, his temper kind of had flared up and he was lashing out at his subjects. And so the fox, who's smart, was like, you know what? I'm going to keep away from the court for a little bit because I don't want to do anything that's going to get the king mad at me. So he did. He just stayed away and he was slinking about. And when he had to come near, he would kind of like, again, like sneak around in the outskirts and stay away from the things that were going on. And one time while he was sneaking around kind of the court in the area around there, he overheard the wolf talking to the lion about him. And the wolf and the fox were never good friends as evidenced by the story that Katrina just told. (laughs) (laughs) And the wolf was calling attention to the fact that, hey, like, your majesty, the fox hasn't shown his face in court for a long time. And so I think that he's out there hatching some sort of treacherous plan or another. And so the lion was like, okay, you know what? Bring the fox to me. We're going to figure this stuff out. So the jackal brought him in. And the lion was very upset. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, what are you getting at not coming to us and, you know, paying your respects in the court? And the fox is like, well, pardon me, your majesty. Um, It's like, I wasn't purposefully trying to keep myself away from you because of any lack of respect or anything, but I was just concerned about you. So I've been going all across the land, talking to all the best doctors that I can to find a way to cure you of this particular malady that you have. And so the lion was kind of did a little bit of a 180 and was like, oh, did you find a cure? It's like, if you found a cure, you have to tell me at once. And so the fox answered, quote, with a leer at the wolf. (laughs) Well, the only way to save your majesty's life is to wrap yourself in the warm skin of a newly slain wolf. And the lion, eager to have the remedy, at once dragged the wolf to him and killed him on the spot. And presumably wrapped himself in the nice warm skin of Fox's enemy. Uh, And the moral is, evil is payable in evil. (laughs) I hope that people know, anytime we're like telling a story and something like incredibly like violent, awful happens and I start laughing, (laughs) it is definitely because like I realize like this story is make-believe and it's not real. Because I like if if this was actually real I wouldn't be laughing so hard at like some somebody suddenly just being like oh time to skin this person (laughs) (laughs) it is so funny like the the evil is payable and evil that it is this like nope you did something wrong to me and I'm gonna just do it right back like you wanted to get me killed but I'm gonna outsmart you and get, yeah, you, and get killed. you killed. And that's the funny thing, too, is like the wolf actually did kind of what he was accusing the fox of doing. Not against the wolf, you know, but against the fox. Like was he plotted this whole, you know, like treacherous little plot to get the fox killed because they don't get along. But the fox was smarter and able to turn that on its head and get the wolf killed instead or get the wolf in trouble. There is a part of me, too, that's wondering. And again, these are meant to be like have the end, but I love to go beyond the end of the story and be like, what's going to happen when the wolf is dead? The king puts on its <laughs> skin and he doesn't get better. Yeah, like, are there going to yeah. be repercussions for the fox? Like, yeah. how's he going to we- weasel his way out of this, this <laughs> next part of it? Yeah. Cause it is like, I mean, he probably could be like, oh, well, you know, I was hoping that that would work. And I'm sorry I had heard it from an old, you know, I'm sure he'll pass the buck and like, yeah, weasel his way out of it. Um, One thing that this story made me think about was the ability that some people have to read a room and to understand, like, because I love that the story starts off saying, like, the king was sick and in a bad mood. And so the fox knew yeah. To stay as far away as possible. I'm like, dude, in human beings, when somebody's smart enough to do that, that's usually a trauma response. 
(laughs) (laughs) When it's like they've grown up in such a way that they know that they have to be a little bit street smart. They have to be able to understand how people are feeling and how that is going to in turn affect how they get treated. Yeah. And so they know how to like, be like, Oh, this person is in a bad mood. I'm going to stay as far away as possible. So I think that that's just like an interesting thing of note that it's like, that's not what the story is about, but it, it shows like human nature. Yeah. And there are some people who are very good at like reading a room and understanding the situation of like, Oh, this is when I shut my mouth and I'm quiet. And then there are some people who do not know when to shut their mouth and be quiet. And it's like, wow, (laughs) you have not been (laughs) traumatized into knowing how to read a room. (laughs) Like, oh, you grew up in a place where you felt safe. (laughs) How unfortunate, because right now you are (laughs) lacking in some skills that could. Yeah, you're really lacking in your favor. Even though it is like, yeah, it would be good if everybody, you know, didn't behave in a in in line with a trauma response. But it is one of those like skills where it was like, yeah, Fox, Fox knew how to be street smart. He knew how to read, read a room. I also love how the jackal appears for just like half of a second and is not there again. It's like, what, what's the jack? Where's, where's the jackal in all of this? Yeah. And what's interesting about the lion and the jackal also like being in these stories. I mean, in Greece, they knew about, animals that were in Africa. We mentioned this before in the first Aesop fable episode way back that some of these stories, people will say there's like proof that these stories came up from Africa. And so not all of these stories are like originally thought up by an Aesop character, whether Aesop existed and recorded all these stories or not. There's proof that like some of these stories are like a lot older than some of the other ones. And so Jackal and Lion being in these stories are also kind of like clues that these tales might be older than when they got to Greece and were written cool. down and recorded. So yeah, it is interesting that Jackal like just pops up. <laughs> I don't think that was your original point. <laughs> no, it wasn't. My point that. was what I said. It's funny that a character <laughs> appears and is never mentioned again. <laughs> But I learned something because I brought up that stupid point that I should not have. <laughs> no, no, you can you definitely can because it is it is funny in the stories because they are very like quick. Yeah, that and that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, and that is the thing that stands out to me again, and why it stood out in my brain is because usually there's not very much unnecessary information presented in any of these fables because they are so short. It's like they include what they include, and that's it because everything is pointing towards the point that they're trying to get across. Yeah. So what is the point of the jackal? You know, like. I guess just so that you knew what type of animal also was serving in the court. Yeah. I don't know. It didn't seem to like serve any purpose, which is just funny, which makes it stand out a lot more because normally everything does serve a purpose is the real point that I was trying to make by bringing up the sudden appearance of the jackal. I also think. It is interesting that serving on the lion's court are jackals because jackals are typically scavenging animals. Mm -hmm. And so they like to be around bigger animals that will kill things for them and then they feed off of it. So I guess maybe they included jackals just as a like, like, oh, you usually see these guys around too. (laughs) (laughs) Could be. Or they were just trying to think of, like, what other predator animal would like to work for a lion? I don't know. (laughs) It's all speculation at this point. (laughs) And why not? Why shouldn't we speculate? So the next story I'm going to tell is The Thieves and the Cock. And since we are, of course, an Animal Names podcast, you will know that we're talking about a rooster. Cock-a-doodle-doo! So, some thieves once broke into a house and they discovered that there was nothing worth carrying off, (laughs) which I'm like relatable to me. I will look around my house sometimes and be like, man, if a thief came into this house, they would be like, what, what is there? There's nothing of resale value. (laughs) (laughs) A sad aside. (laughs) 
No, we are like television because it's like the stuff that thieves normally like carry off in our day and age are like um, electronics. Those are the easiest to like resell. Yeah. And our TV is like 12 years old and it's only like it's like a I think three feet long. So it's like a 36 inch television. Uh, So it's they'd be. Yeah, they'd just be like, I don't disappointed yeah i i don't know you might be able to get 50 bucks for it that actually might be too much i don't know i don't know how much my television's <laughs> worth probably not that much <laughs> I, like i'm dreaming if i think i can sell that tv for 50 dollars. but i always feel bad for people who have like super massive tvs and then they have young children who then like break their television because i'm like dude at this point i think my husband's praying for that to happen <laughs> he's An excuse like to buy a new one Yeah, like, I truly think that he's like, why didn't... And now our kids are old enough that, you know, they're not throwing toys, like, around, like, the living room randomly and, you know. And so I I think he's missed his opportunity. Like, I just don't (laughs) think my kids are going to damage that TV enough. He's going to have that TV until either he or it dies. (laughs) Uh, So, anyway. So the thieves broke into the house and found it was nothing worth carrying off. But they did find a delicious looking rooster. So the poor rooster, when he was grabbed, he realized that, you know, the only reason that these guys would be stealing him was to eat him. And so he started to to tell the thieves about the hard work that he does for the community <laughs> and the people. And then he's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I, I am very useful. I have an important job being alive that I wake people up in the morning and I tell them to get up. And the robbers said, ah, no, you see, that's exactly why we should kill you because you alert people that they need to wake up. And that makes it impossible for us to rob in comfort. <laughs> And the moral of the story is, like, very serious. It's the safeguards of virtue are hateful to the wicked. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, suddenly it's, like, more severe. (laughs) Um, Because basically, yeah, it's like the the rooster is, like, the safeguard of virtue. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, he's trying to say, like, oh, no, I'm useful because I alert people. And they're like, yeah, but... We don't like that. Yeah. It ties into the whole snitches get stitches thing again. Yeah. Like very seriously in the sense like he alerts people and tells people that they are committing crimes, which goes against their code and makes their lives difficult. It also goes back to what you were saying about how you feel about snitching. Like as a person outside of the criminal social culture, You are like, snitches are a good thing. That is how people are held responsible for the crimes they commit and the bad things that they do. And that's the exact reason why it is so against the criminal culture, because it holds them responsible for their crimes and the bad things that they do. So obviously it's going to be something that they are are not a fan of. Did that make sense? I feel like that was a good thought, but then I'm like... No, 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 it did. But explaining it feels just too obvious? I don't know. Yeah. No, but it's it's true that it's like... Any anybody who is protecting a society is obviously the enemy of people who would want to destroy it. Yeah. But then I think also that gets really tricky when you look at it in like a nuanced way, because if everybody sees themselves as correct and wanting to uphold like what they see as their culture's values, then yeah. other people will look like enemies, even if those people are coming in trying to like help. Yeah. So when we look at it outside of like, a criminal enterprise way, or even, I mean, this might be going into the weeds a little bit for our podcast, but um, (laughs) going into the weeds. (laughs) Um, I was thinking about like, there are a lot of people who are inside of like prisons right now who have crimes related to cannabis and like selling and distributing or even using. And now since those things have been like decriminalized, people are saying, oh, well, those people should be like let out of prison. Like they should be. And then people are like, oh, no, you want to make our society worse. You're the enemy of our society because you want these criminals to be like on the street. Yeah. And so there's that very complicated like conversation of like who who gets to pick what is virtuous in our yeah. society and what is like wicked. But yeah. I think that is for the purpose of our podcast going way too much. Like, <laughs> into, like, 
<laughs> Let's get into it. Who is the judge and arbiter of what is right and what is wrong? <laughs> Let's like let's that. come up with an answer by the end of this discussion. <laughs> it's like a, this is very much outside of like my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Uh, but it is that I mean that's one thing that is interesting about looking at Aesop fables and knowing that they are designed to talk about political problems. Yeah. And uh and and related to like war and dealing with like other cultures or dealing with criminals inside of our society. That's what Aesop fables like actually are. And so it's funny because we do often on these episodes get into some kind of like a political conversation. Yeah. And it's like, well, of course, because that's like where these are leading. Yeah. It's the intent of Aesop and his fables. Yep. But I'm just in it for the talking animals. (laughs) (laughs) So there's another story called The Thief and the Dog, which only one of those is an animal, but he does talk. So there was a thief who came to a house one night to rob it. But there was a dog inside and the dog started barking loudly, alerting people that there was a thief trying to break into this house and the dog was going to have none of it. So the thief was trying to placate this dog, calm him down, get him to be quiet by offering him a piece of meat. And the dog was like, uh, heck no. He's like, I'm not going to sell out my master for like one little bite of meat. So after you're finished with him, who's going to be there to take care of me? <laughs> so the moral of the tale is honesty is the best policy. I love that it seems like the moral is more of like, I will do a crime, but what will I get out of it? <laughs> yeah, only if it's worth it to me. I do feel a disconnect between the story and the moral. I think the dog is doing a good thing. And I think the dog is right. And I think the dog is technically being honest by saying that. But (laughs) I feel like, again, taking it beyond what's in the tale, the consequences for this is that thief wants that dog to shut up. He has two options. Either he leaves and doesn't rob or he kills the dog to shut the dog up and continues to go in and and rob, you know. And also because like what the dog is basically saying is my silence belongs to the highest bidder. Or like my my friendship belongs to the highest bidder. Because what he's saying right now is like, ah, this guy feeds me and yeah. like, you know, keeps me keeps me well in food. And you're just offering me this little bit. What else you got? Yeah. And so it almost seems like what the dog is saying is like, if you can offer me a better price. Yeah. For my silence, I will give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't seem like honesty is the best policy. Yeah, I don't understand what like what that has to do with it. And again, I think the, that that is a an interesting way to look at it, but I don't think that's even the point of it. I think the point of it is like, you know, don't betray someone for something that may be tempting in the moment. You know, like you might be easily tempted into betraying someone, but think about who it is that's actually looking out for you and has like got your back and where your true loyalty should lie. Yeah. Like because the, this person, the long-term consequences of the choice that you're making. Exactly. This person is offering you something that you want in the moment. But in order to get that, you're going to have to throw away everything that you have. Because that person doesn't want anything from you except for one thing in this moment. And when they've gotten what they want from you, they have no reason to you know, keep on helping you. Yeah, because like what you were pointing out, like, is honesty really the best policy if the the thief decides to just kill this dog yeah. to get it quiet? He's like, well, since I couldn't pay you to be quiet and food, then I'm just going to kill you. And it's like, OK, but did that honesty pay off like in the end? Yeah. But I mean, if you if you were looking at it of a situation where it's like you need to sit and think to yourself like okay, what is the long-term ramifications of what I am about to do in my situation? Probably honesty or having like good high morals would be better for me in the long run. Yeah. And I, like, I understand Yeah. that in, in my applicable situation, if like, if somebody was like offering me something for a gain right now, but if like long-term it's like, oh, was that really worth, you know, selling out? Yeah, and also having to compromise your morals and stuff for it. I just feel like honesty is a bad word. I think maybe like integrity is the best policy. Maybe not integrity because it's not like he's lying either, but he's just staying true. He's staying true to his master. 
You know, that's the thing that he's doing that is good and what's going to he- be more helpful in the end. Yeah. But by, by not betraying his master, he'll continue to be fed from here on out. Yeah. I mean, because it almost seems like long term planning is the best policy or like having having taking the long view is the yeah. best policy is more of like what we're saying, because it's not even a uh, like a because de- as we pointed out, it's not really like a devotion that he's saying he has to like his master. Yeah. But it is just kind of like he's thinking more about the long term consequences of pleasure right now or a momentary reward. Yeah. And so it's more of like taking the long view is the best policy. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking the only way that it can make sense as honesty to me is that the dog is saying the truth. And the truth is there is a thief coming in to steal from us. Yeah. And the thief is saying, no, lie through your silence. Don't say that there's a thief coming. Lie. Be dishonest. And I'll give you this piece of meat. But if he tells the truth, it'll be the best thing in the long run. Yeah. And he'll keep being rewarded by the master. I mean, it's still all the stuff they ever said. But like, that's the only thing that I can think of where it, where it's it honesty, becomes, yeah. Yeah, where it becomes a, a matter of honesty or dishonesty. Oh, and then that's interesting because if we think of that of in like a, a, a government or a corporate type situation where somebody who's like a whistleblower, somebody who's like sounding the alarm on like something bad that's happening and somebody comes to them and is like, Hey, I will give you this like little piece of money. If you like shut up, if you don't say anything like right now, or like, I will give you like this temporary reward for right now. But they're like, I'm thinking like, you know, even like Enron, like whistleblowers, they're thinking like, no, because if I keep lying about this or I keep silent about this, the company is going to go under. Yeah. And all of these people are going to be like screwed over by by my silence. And so it is better to be barking, to be raising that alarm. My yeah. honesty in the long run is like the best policy. You said whistleblowers. And one of the first ones that comes to mind for me is Edward Snowden. But it's kind of like that is the opposite of the situation because he <laughs> betrayed his masters, which were like the NSA and the people that he worked for on behalf of like the American people. But for no reward, the man is still living in exile in yeah. a country he never intended or wanted to be in, you yeah. know, like and it's not allowed to come home or else he'll be put on trial. So it's just like, I don't know. Anyway, it, yeah, yeah, we it won't go like, into it again, but it's just. Yeah, because it's like, wait, was honesty the best in the long run for him? For him personally? He didn't get any reward from it, but it, except for, you know, I guess knowing that he helped serve the American people yeah, in his that, view. That he like lived by his values. Yeah. He he had integrity. And again, going back to what I was saying too, like yeah. he had integrity by not lying. He told the truth. Even if it wasn't going to be the most beneficial for him in the end, which makes it a whole different. I'm sure there's an Aesop fable about that, (laughs) Um, but it's not what we're talking about right now. Okay, so this last story is called The Two Thieves and the Bear. (laughs) Now I just keep thinking of it as like a gay reference. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, So there was once a couple of thieves and they had heard that there was a calf that had been born and was being stored inside of this barn. So their master plan was to go at midnight into the barn and one would go into the stall of the calf and push it out the window while the other one was on the other side taking out. I don't know why they didn't just open a door and like lead the calf out. I Maybe I'm not understanding how this barn functions. I don't know. But their master plan was one of them would go inside, go into the stall, lift it up, and push it out the window, which I'm like, a calf? Anyway, I'm already seeing so many problems in their plan. And then the thief on the outside would catch the calf and take it out the window on the other side. Again, I I feel like their plan was flawed from the start. Mm Mm-hmm. But also, probably a calf is easier to steal that way than, like, a full-grown animal. cow. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I don't know. Maybe they were like, they knew. They, they had a plan. So, in the middle of the night, they snuck into this barn. And the one who went in started to lift. And the, the thief who was outside, the window, was standing there waiting. And he was like, all right, 
lift it up, push it out. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm on the other side. And the thief that was inside, he was like, I can't pick it up. I can't. It's too heavy. It's too big. And the guy on the outside was like, no, it's not. Stop stop messing around. We are going to get caught. If the sun comes up, like, we got to do this quickly. Come on, like, pick it up. Could be in like a weenie. So <laughs> the guy inside, he's like, oh, no, I can't now. It's grabbed me. And the guy on the outside was like, what do you mean it grabbed you? And he's like, I have no idea. It must be the devil himself that has caught me. I wish, because I love it every time the devil comes into this ring. And he's like, the devil himself seems to have caught hold of me. I can't, I can't get free. And his thief friend was like, well, I'm not sticking around to get caught with you. And he just took off and left. <laughs> and the next morning, this man was discovered in the cage with a bear. Because what had happened... The story says right at the end, it's like, what had happened, in fact, was a circus had been coming through town and they had stored a bear inside where the calf was. And so what had really happened was this guy had gone in, tried to lift up this bear, couldn't lift it up. But the bear, not even waking, grabbed a hold of the thief and cuddled it to sleep. So maybe that is a gay reference. (laughs) Uh, but the moral the moral of the story is a knave may gain more than an honest man for a day but the honest man will gain more than the knave for a year so it's like even though a thief might try to gain an upper hand and may even in fact be able to get away with something once in a while and have like a really good payday one time if you're honest you can make more of a living all throughout the year and be comfortable all throughout the year which I don't know. Yeah, I'm like if that um, moral totally lines up with the story. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if it's like, oh, see, the person that rented out their barn is getting money from the circus because they're storing animals in the barn, like you're supposed to do with the barn. Whereas you came to steal from this honest person. But yeah, it's just like I again, I don't know what that moral has to do with the story, really. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I agree with the moral that I'm I like, agree with yeah. the moral too, but I yeah, it's like I feel again like the yeah. story does not say what the moral seems yeah. to want it to say, in my it's opinion. Because like, it's like when I hear stories about, you know, people who go to like grocery stores or try to like rob a bank or any place like that, like they might get like $130 out of a till yeah. like that the out of the register but it's like you could have earned that money by just like working, working. <laughs> yeah like like yeah you would have to work cuz it's like yeah it takes you know let's say 20 minutes to rob a a grocery store i don't know how long it takes to rob a grocery store i'm going to say 20 minutes that's like never a timed long it. time I've never timed it, no. Um, But it seems to be about 20 minutes out of my day. Uh, (laughs) And so, yeah, $130 for 20 minutes of work, (laughs) quote unquote. That's pretty good. That's good money. Um, But it's not consistent money. And so you could make more in a year than stealing for a day. Yeah. So I understand the, the moral, the math works in the moral, yes. I understand. Yeah. But it doesn't totally seem to line up with the story that was told. Because that's like a really weird situation. The thing I don't like about it is that it's not like the natural consequences of their actions. We've talked about this before, probably because yes. we're both parents. But it's like, <laughs> I don't feel like it's a very good story to keep people off thieving because they're like, oh, well, like these people just didn't do good reconnaissance. And... They didn't realize that this unusual thing had happened in that a circus came to town and they were storing a bear in there. It's like most times when you break into a barn where they store cows, there are going to be cows. Yeah. And his plan plan probably would have worked if some like weird, very unusual comedy situation hadn't taken place. Exactly. This is very situational comedy. Yeah. Setup of like, oh, we had a simple plan, but then this weird thing happened, and now, and it's like canned laughter, like in yeah. the audience watching this happen. 
And if it were, it would have been better if they had set up that whole circus element earlier in the story. Yeah, so as yeah. the thief's getting in, we know what's going to happen. Yeah. So that we got the dramatic irony playing in for comedy for us, the audience. Yeah. As opposed to the way this was recorded, where it was just like at the end, you're like, Wait, oh, what's going by on? the way, it's like the dad that forgot to set up the important element of the story. So his punchline doesn't make sense. So he has to explain it afterwards. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, that's not great. Yeah, but it's like if the story had been like, oh, they went in and the mother cow like kicked the other thief in the teeth. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But even that doesn't play into the actual moral. But it's like that makes for a better story because it's like it makes sense with. Linearly as you're telling the story. Yeah. yeah. No, because you're right. If you like if you were retelling it or putting it into like a play or something, you would have had to like set up in a different scene like the uh, the guy who owned the barn, you know, trading money with the uh, circus owner being like, oh, yeah, no problem. We can keep it overnight. This is like no problem for us. Yeah, it'll you can come and get it in the morning and then. But the earlier scene right before that was the thieves scouting out the barn for their heist that they're planning that night. So they're like, OK, you look at see this window. That's where the calf is, which they did have kind of that scene sort of in the Aesop fable. Yeah. And then as soon as they leave, then and they leave because they hear the people walking up. They're like, oh, let's get out of here before we get caught. And then that's when the circus master comes in. And so you see them like, we'll just take this calf out and we'll move it in over to this stall. And then it's like, here, bring the bear right in. I'm glad I'm glad that we decided that we were like, no, we have to rewrite it. Redo the whole thing. This is a page one rewrite, Aesop. I'm sorry. (laughs) I always enjoy going through Aesop's fables and talking about them with you, Jeff, because it is like one of the things that we talk a lot about on the podcast is like what stories say about the cultures that made them and what they say about like us today. And it's so funny when we're looking at like Aesop fables, seeing how much tie in there is, like, even though it's like, sometimes we're like, I don't agree with that moral or, or I don't think that moral matches like the story or there's something lost in translation. There's always some of that when we talk Mm -hmm. about Aesop's fables, but I love how we can still see people today in these characters, or we can still see how like, we in stories like play with like the tropes of these like different stock characters. And I love the fact that they're so simple that it does lead to discussion very easily because there's so much that's missing. It's easy to extrapolate on the before or the after or the motivations of those involved. You know, even if you're going beyond the story and the moral as presented, Yeah. There's things that you can latch onto to do exactly that, to like put in different groups of people or to think about different situations and how it may be the same. Or in the case where we're talking about like whistleblowers, how it actually might be the opposite of that situation, how there might be a story that would be different for that. I mean, it's just we go off on all these kind of like wild tangents that still somehow go off and like come back and relate to the fables or relate to other fables. It's just like I don't know what it is about them. They're just magically simple but profound so that we can apply them to ourselves and other situations that we're familiar with all at the same time. Yeah. And it is, it is funny, like looking at it through that frame of like honor among thieves or like in our case where we're, you know, pulling out like in like these stories, as we said at the beginning, don't necessarily point to the idea of honor among thieves, but it it was interesting that we could talk about like that concept that how we see it today in something like snitches getting stitches where it's like, no, it still exists. Like these human characters still exist. There are still people who kind of like work outside of like the agreed upon social structure. We still have criminals. We still have like thieves. We still have people who are, you know, trying to trick people. We, we're aware of this, like in our culture. So it's interesting that it's like, we can take a topic like that and like go back looking into Aesop's fables and be like, okay, what, what can we get out of this and aim towards a discussion of like thieves and honor. And I do now, now I am interested in trying to find like more tales about, uh, honor among thieves and stories being told by thieves. (laughs) 
Five thieves, four thieves. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Fairy Tellers. If you enjoy what we're doing, please leave us a review or share us with your friends. Also consider supporting us on Patreon for access to exclusive bonus content, including outtakes and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash thefairytellers. Special thanks to Andrew Foray for our music and to Clarice Inch for our artwork. And of course, a big thank you to all our patrons. Without all of you, this show wouldn't be possible. Fairy tales are always more interesting when something is added to them. Each new telling recharges the narrative, making it crackle and hiss with cultural energy. Maria Tatar. So the theme for our the theme for today's fifth Friday Fable Fest. One sec, I spat on every single word I said. Fifth Friday Fable <laughs> Fest. <laughs> like, oh, I'm gonna it's our fault for having so many plosives in the title. Man, that was a good vocabulary word. <laughs> it's an educational podcast it actually is i don't know why i use the silly voice to make fun of us almost as if to prove katrina's point i need to make a correction here the f sound is not a plosive it is in fact a fricative proving that it's a really good thing that this is not a linguistics podcast